Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, the show that explores learning from the top minds in volleyball and beyond. With your hosts, John Mayer, Billy Allen, Andrew Fuller, and Nils Nielsen. All right, so we want to get into some of the father-son dynamics, and uh, but before we do that, could you, Cody, could you update us on your pro season? Uh, I know you were playing in Germany, and, and kind of uh, what's going on now with that season? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was playing uh, for the Berlin Recycling Volleys, uh, so we were playing the German League, German Cup, and then Champions League as well, and this year we had five Americans, which I think is a record if you look back through the history books i think maybe the the hot volleys uh back when reed and rich were all playing in austria maybe had five americans but we had uh ben patch kyle ensing jeff jendrick and jt hatch and myself making up five guys out of the 13-man roster and we went undefeated in the german league we also won the german cup which is for the listeners a single elimination uh, tournament of all, almost all the teams in Germany, second league, third league, and all the first league teams, kind of like a March Madness style. And then uh, we dropped our Champions League matches to the Russian champion Kemerovo and uh, the, another strong Russian team, Fakel, which is where Eric Shoji's playing. We didn't make it out of that Champions League group. Um, we uh, and I guess last Monday, the, the Bundesliga, the, the German Federation, started to say, hey, no more matches with fans. And then very quickly, two days later, they canceled the entire season. So right. we were going into two more matches of regular season than into the playoffs. And uh, they decided to name no champion uh, on the men's and the women's side. And so very quickly, as along with all so many athletes and people around the world, uh, our lives changed pretty quick. So uh, we were all, all the Americans were actually able to head home. So I'm actually home here in Colorado Springs, uh, day three of my 14-day quarantine. Well, I'm glad you made it back. <laughs> Thanks. Thank yeah. Um, yeah. So just to go back, um, and we have your dad on here too. Growing up, were you pushed into playing volleyball because of your dad's background or kind of take us through that decision? What led you to volleyball? Yeah, uh, you know, it's the cliche answer maybe, but my, my dad was really good about not pushing me into the sport. Um, we were just surrounded by it. Uh, and growing up, we would, you know, my dad would be traveling around with his USA job or doing summer camps. And so my sister and I, would tag along probably to 30 different states and then he would also do international clinics and uh, he would kind of say hey I'll come to this clinic if you show my my son and my daughter and me around for a few days afterwards and so my sister and I saw the world through volleyball you know clinics in in Egypt and Fiji and in Italy with with Carl McGowan and, and Canada and like I said probably probably saw 20 or 30 different states that way and uh, my first time playing was actually in Vail, Colorado, at a father-son. We have a over Father's Day weekend. My, I think my dad probably organized it years before, but uh, he said, "Hey, you know, over this, I guess it's, it's a June weekend." He's, you know, he said, uh, talked to one of his buddies who ran a grass tournament up there and said we should do a father-son or a father-daughter, and and it as it grew like crazy. Uh, I think today there's sometimes 200, 300 father-son, father-daughter teams. But 
that was my first time playing competitive volleyball. It was on the grass uh, with my dad out in the beautiful Vale, Colorado, you know, at the foot, you know, the base of a mountain. And you're playing another father-son team. You know, it's 12 and under. Both of the kids are 12 and under or 13 and just starting to learn the game. Um, and, yeah, it's hard to say when I got hooked, but uh, just loved there's not so many sports you can play with your dad or I don't you know I can't think of many that you can play like like with volleyball so it's a pretty special thing and um, I think that was probably when I was 11 or, or you know or 12 that I first started playing that that tournament with him in the summer and when did you specialize on in volleyball well, very late uh, I played lacrosse and tennis all the way through high school um, and probably played I don't know 10 different sports when I was younger I don't know if I don't know if my dad was reading the all the long-term athlete development stuff already or if it was on purpose but uh, uh, I would play sometimes in the summers and a little bit on my high school teams after lacrosse season ended in high school because it was still in the spring but I did not fully specialize in volleyball until I was a senior in high school that's wow. when I, I still played my tennis season in the fall but then I quit lacrosse in the spring and that's when I went full-time volleyball, did the first full year of a uh, club where, you know, you kind of had to drive Colorado, not so much boys volleyball, like a lot of guys have to experience, but uh, we were down in Colorado Springs and driving with, with Mitch Beal, actually, uh, Doug's son. We were, you know, we were both pretty hot on volley back then and still are. And, you know, I look, <laughs> it's crazy, you know, just talking to him today, uh, he's just retired and he's moving into coaching, but we both uh, two kids from Colorado Springs and obviously with different volleyball pedig pedigrees, but uh, kind of made it out. And uh, he went on to play at Ohio State and have a four-year pro career as well. And so not too bad for two kids from Colorado who had to drive, you know, 90 minutes each way up to Denver for practice and have one kid come down from Wyoming. And But that, yeah, that was, uh, that was that last year of high school that I finally specialized. And John, were you pulling for volleyball to, to win out all, all along, or where, where were you at while this is going on? Yeah, pulling? I don't know. That's a great question. I, you know, I, I loved watching him experiment with these other sports, and, uh, and I think, you know, <laughs> here's a story about Cody. Uh, he's changing schools to go to the IB program because they had Chinese there in the Palmers he's uh it's just closer you know I, I and I said hey you gotta you gotta do a sport in in the fall and he said I'm gonna do cross country that me get me in shape for running for lacrosse okay great and the night before cross country <laughs> Cody comes upstairs <laughs> in the bedroom and says uh dad I've decided I don't want to run for no reason at all. That's not. It's a nice sport. It just wasn't for me. <laughs> and I said, well, you got to do a sport, kid. And so we went into the book and it started like with, you know, A for, it started football, alphabetical, and it was soccer and swimming. And finally we hit tennis. And I go, ah, oh, tennis, that's a, you run, it's a rebound sport. You run around short distances. Let's do that. He goes, okay. And I go to Craigslist. I pick up a cheap racket. And the next day he's at, at uh, Palmer High School Tennis as a freshman. And 
by the end of his senior year with zero lessons. I didn't pay a dime for a lesson. Sorry, USTA, but I let the game teach the game. He did have a coach, but I didn't go pay for private lessons. This is the message to the listeners or the parents that listen. I just let him play, and he went on to become pretty high seed and captain of the team in his senior year. There you go. And then, Cody, I think it's it's one thing to – you know, be around someone who knows a lot about skill acquisition, like your dad. I think it's a, another thing to actually know how to implement it. So I'm wondering how it was on your end, you know, having this motor learning principles or, you know, kind of all the stuff he talks about, actually living it out and implementing his principles. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so my dad never directly coached me in volleyball, you know, as a named coach of any of those teams, besides just kind of guiding me, you know, in in these grass, you know, when we're playing together on the grass or, but he did coach my soccer team. We were the cheetahs when I was, you know, six, seven and eight. And, you know, I just remember from that, you know, no, no one out hustles us. No one's out, outworks us. And that was kind of the lesson there. And then he also, I got to see it through lacrosse. Uh, so he coached my lacrosse team for a couple of years and, you know, looking back now, I can see the uh, all the motor learning implementations that he was kind of not even you know doing, not 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 experimenting with, but the way that we would do things a little bit differently from the even the tradition or the normal uh, way that lacrosse was usually done, and it would pay off in games, and our team got really good really fast. And so, yeah, I mean, with hindsight, it's kind of hard to you know now that I've been more familiar with these uh with everything to do with motor learning and game like skill acquisition i'm seeing it that i had that done for me in soccer and in in lacrosse (laughs) so did it get old uh constantly hearing the socratic method around the house (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know we had a uh tradition that was kind of born out of that that became kind of funny it was the the nightly question so growing up you know, we got to save our one question that, you know, the encyclopedia dad would answer. And so my sister and I would, you know, and I don't know how long it went on for years where, you know, as he was putting us to bed, it was, oh, you know, started with, you know, why is grass green? Why is the sky blue? And, you know, as you get older, you know, why, uh, why are people mean, you know, what's the meaning of life? But we always got to ask one question, you know, he would, he would answer it. And, uh, yeah, props to you, Dad. You always had an answer, or or if you didn't on a really weird, obscure one, you'd have it in the morning. So, uh, yeah, but we had a lot of questions. So, from him, you know, too, not just from us. Yeah, yeah thanks to Google, he was smart. <laughs> yeah. So, Cody, what were uh, pregame talks like on the way to some of your events, and also just give us a picture. What was your dad like on the way home? When that's sometimes tougher with that postgame talk. Yeah, I mean, he's. It was perfect. I don't know, perfect. I mean, he, going into it, um, it was always just, you know, I lo- I want to go have fun, you know, go enjoy it. And uh, the the classic line after the game is just, I love to watch you play. And then I would kind of open it up to, you know, if 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 Mac or I, my sister Mackenzie, Mac or I would have questions or concerns that we wanted to bring up ourselves of course he could address that but uh yeah i just say i love to watch you play and it's it's become a become a mantra now i guess so yeah and john um 
you obviously have a lot of experience coaching uh, a bunch of kids. What was it? Was it different teaching your own children? Um, no, I think it was harder for them because I, I made sure that they weren't being, uh, you know, isolated out or, you know, given special treatment. So it's probably harder for them in that sense. I know Cody, I made be goalie in lacrosse and most people don't want to be goalie and get shot at with these rock hard balls and stuff. And, and yet at the same time, that principle of becoming an all around player, then I'd put somebody else in goal for the second half and Cody could be an attackman or a midi or whatever. And that, I think that that was probably the, the thing that they may not have seen it or felt it, but that's what I know that I was consciously doing was not letting them be fit, coach's favorite in some way. And Cody, what advice would you have for, for parents or for youth coaches who they want to help develop an elite athlete? Uh, you know, I think the, the first one that's, you know, shown a lot up a lot in the research and then anecdotally or um, not beyond that at the higher level is to play a lot of different sports. Uh, you know, we see that early specialization and, uh, you know, maybe occasionally that works in tennis or gymnastics or, you know, some sports you, you hear of the, the players that started really early. But if you look at the overall numbers of not only how, you know, likely it is to get to the highest level. Uh, it's actually, you're better off uh, having a wider range of motor skills available to you through a bunch of different sports also for prevents burnout and injury and, and all these things. So for the parents listening, you know, have them play a lot of different sports and uh, find the, the thing that they love to do. I mean, I think that's what I don't, you know, I don't know. You, there's not a recipe for that. I, mean, I don't know how my dad managed to do that. You'll have to ask that one. But, uh, you know, I just got hooked on volleyball and love it. And that's what continues to drive me to this day. I still just love playing the game. And so, yeah. And I, I got to say that I bookended it a little bit. You know, Cody talked about playing when he was 11. And uh, my last doubles volleyball match was with Cody in the dinosaur division of a tournament where, you know, you got to add your ages up to be uh, 80 or above. And so when I was 60 and Cody was at Princeton, you know, um, came and played uh, in Breckenridge in the dinosaur event. And, oh, my God, that was the last time I played. That's um, 10,000 feet, though, too. Really no. <laughs> <laughs> It was, uh, it was not pretty. And, uh, let's just say that they didn't, they didn't serve Cody much at all, like zero. <laughs> so Cody, what's, uh, what part of your dad's game needs the most work? <laughs> oh man. Uh, gosh. <laughs> Did you I pass 70% of the court? <laughs> maybe, maybe just, you know. I don't know at this level now, but he he stays pretty. Good. I can't remember the last time I saw him play. Um, yeah, yeah uh, that's a good question. I don't know. How how <laughs> just dance around it, Code. Just yeah. dance around it. How open is he to your, How open is he to your feedback? Oh yeah, how yeah yeah. I don't know. It's been a while. Um, I, I he'd be pretty open if I if I had feedback for him. All right, cool. Um, well, Cody, now as a professional athlete. Uh, is there any ways that you take advantage of your dad's knowledge? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's a lot just through the books and the, the just the principles that he talks about. Um, you know, whether it's you know I I probably have heard his his impact talks subconsciously since I was ten years old, but um, <laughs> at all these clinics growing up in summer camps, but. Even today, the, the, you know, the stuff that he finds, I, I find really useful. Um, talk about that external focus of attention. Um, found that pretty useful when I can implement it in certain ways. And, uh, yeah, pretty much just anything I can pick up or try or, or get an edge on. But a lot of it is through the books uh, and other sources that he he's shows me or gives me and um, has found value in or pre-curated, let's say, and I know I can just dive in and get some value. So it's a, yeah, it's definitely a, it's a competitive advantage, maybe. Do you guys check in throughout the season? Yeah, not not uh, mostly just about life. Uh, if I do have a volleyball-based thing, I'll check in with them, but it's uh, it's not structured like you know like check in like that but uh yeah we talk and uh yeah still gosh i'm 28 but we still talk about uh about life and about volley and yeah it's, it's still my dad so <laughs> i, John, I do, have do you get to get out to germany to watch many games i i've been out every year except this year we were going out uh later in april when things sort of got it got to that level of uh, playoffs and seeing, you know, but that got uh, changed, obviously. But I I saw him play the, every other year, at least one visit. I'd work a clinic clinic around it or I'd, I'd do something like that to be able to watch him play. And I have a Flow TV account and I have a, a VPN so I can become a Berliner and uh, watch the like the German cup wasn't on flow. It was on television. So I just picked it up when I was sitting up at the lodge and, you know, put it up on the big screen TV for my wife and I, and we just sort of sit there and watch Cody play. And I take a picture or two and probably say something about an image that I thought that I, that I, it might be a teachable moment in something that he had done. So yeah. Do, this, I mean, yeah. do you, you, okay. you know so much about the game and understand it at such a high level and I mean, you talked about how early on, you, you know, you had this image of how a passer should look and, but, but I know you don't obsess about it as much, but I'm wondering, like, as you watch Cody, it doesn't sound like you're um, giving him tons of fundamental feedback. Do you have to bite your tongue with that stuff or how, how do you go about that? No, not at all. I mean, he's playing better than I ever played when I played professionally in Italy and he has some great coaches and great teammates. And, you know, it's changed so much because, you know, Cody's curation, that thing that he does for Substack and that the learning that he still keeps doing. Um, when I played, you know, you got Volleyball Magazine a month late and that was like, oh, that's what's happening because you couldn't do long distance phone calls and, you know, too expensive and you had no way to watch anything. And so... Now, you know, the chance to see him in real time, even though it might have to be six o'clock in the morning here, is such a great gift that, uh, that, that I am just thankful for because I get a, still love to watch him play. I mean, that's a pretty true statement. From my side, the technical feedback has even been 
maybe less than I would have liked at times. Um, really? Maybe to a fault. You know, I don't know if he's erred on the side of that. Uh, if I really kind of hammer him on something that's bothering me about um, something, you know, maybe he'll give me some technical stuff. But it's mostly, mostly not not technique based. Yeah, it sounds more like a fan than a coach, which is yeah. probably what you want from your parent. That's accurate. Yep, I think you're right. So <clears throat> your dad was just mentioning uh, the the blog, uh, Cody's Curation. I was checking it out. It looks like it's really good. Um, and, you know, obviously your dad had to grow the game blog for so many years. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Apple cool so far there. Yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, so what I do you hope to achieve with your blog? I, you know, I don't have a main direction for it. I'm just hoping to give back uh, to kind of maybe write into a younger version of myself or, or just any athletes out there. Uh, it's not super focused on one thing or another um but just things that have helped me along my journey and you know one thing that's missing a little bit from the pro athlete lifestyle is okay you know you're good at it you can be paid for it and um you enjoy doing it but it's not necessarily something that the world needs so it's just kind of my way to uh connect with a lot of like-minded people kind of put some signals out there and then i, I hope just build projects to be able to to give back to the sport that's giving me so much so cool cody i got another question for you um growing yeah. up growing up around i guess such a wealth of knowledge on what a effective practice looks like um if you ever find yourself playing for a different team with maybe a coach that has a different structure and the practice isn't maybe as ideal as you'd like um do you have any tools for what you use to kind of get around it um, and just get the most out of a practice? Do you find yourself arguing or do you kind of just embrace it and get what you can out of it? Kind of how do you handle that situation? Because I know we have kids that play for a variety of coaches and sometimes, you know, maybe it's not the ideal practice. Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I had coaches growing up in club who were maybe intimidated, you know, they they knew they were going to have to coach Mitch Beal and Cody Kessel, and so they were all psyched out or uh, you know about their practice plans. But uh, there's like story about Karch where um, you know all the they're at some practice and uh, it's this drill where a player is standing behind you and you're you're looking at the wall and the your teammate behind you is just throwing balls at the wall and they're coming at you trying to dig them at almost point blank range and and pretty much everyone on the team was going, this is the dumbest thing. This is, you know, it's not, I'm not getting anything out of it. Like, why are we doing this? And Karch is at the wall yelling at his teammate behind him, throw it harder, throw it harder. And just trying to get, even if there's, you know, 1%, 2% of something, some kind of a, something he can get out of that drill, he was going to get it. And so that's kind of the mindset I take with, with any, you know, any kind of, anytime you step in the gym and it's always good to, you know, even if it's not the way that you're used to doing it or what you think is the right way, you know, there's, there's someone who's experienced volleyball in that way. And uh, you got to be able there's, there's got to be something that, that you can get out of it, even if the transfer is not what we think is, is ideal. Really cool. That's a great approach. Yeah, that's a great approach. Um, John, do you have any questions for Cody before we let him sign off? John, uh, yeah, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to start this off with his thesis because um, I'm hoping that we can get permission from Princeton to let it be read by your listeners and 
if there's any problem with that, I, I hope not, because well, we can at, the it parents end, at the parents' end, what happened was this. I'm going to do my thesis on the history of volleyball. I'm going to start it in 1895 and stop in 1947. I, not much is known there. And Cody spent a year and a half at what is arguably the world's best volleyball library, the Jim Coleman Library, in, in the heart of our office in Colorado Springs. And the whole time he's going, I've got Jan Gross as my thesis advisor. He's the world's most uh, revered Holocaust survivor historian or whatever. And he hates athletes doing theses. Dad, is it okay if I get a C? Dad, if I get a D, are you going to still love me? Type stuff going on for a year and a half. He's stressing and stressing. And then what happened with your thesis? Yeah, I mean, it was a labor of love. And this guy who has a reputation for not enjoying athletes who write theses about their sport, uh, he loved it. And he, he gave it really glowing praise. And he said, oh, it should end up in the New Yorker or something. But at the end of the day, it was just a really cool project to pour some time into. And I looked a lot at like the just overall intercollegiate athletics, you know, Canada and the United States are the only places in the world where you can kind of be a true student athlete, you know, and, and uh, just how that developed and, and where volleyball came from and how it spread around the world. And, and I was primarily curious as to why it's a seen more as a girl's game in the States and it's just not that way in the rest of the world. And so the thesis kind of traces the historical roots of that and gets into a lot of different things. And, I learned a lot of interesting stuff about the game that doesn't even show up in the thesis. So if there's any other researchers that are uh, out there wanting to dive into that and their school projects or, or on bigger papers, uh, you know, let me know and we can connect. But uh, yeah, anyone who wants to read it, I'm happy to send it. Just shoot my dad or me an email and we can, we can get it your way. Really cool. Can you give us one interesting fact that you learned that most people don't know about volleyball or its history? Yeah, there's a really amazing anecdote that uh, this guy Joel Deering uncovered, and um, I kind of backed it up with some more some more facts. Is that it's very very likely that James Naismith, the inventor of basketball, and William G. Morgan, the inventor of volleyball, at one point in about in in the mid eighteen in the eighteen nineties, uh, played a football game directly against each other. So, <laughs> yeah, like literally we're tackling each other and they went on to invent the two sports that are the most widely played team sports in the world. So it's pretty amazing. <laughs> Crazy. And the, the, it ended up being that the one that the Naismith, who was working at the YMCA, played this game against Milt Morgan, who I guess was kind of a stockier build guy, bigger dude, and he instantly recruited him uh, to play for the YMCA school. And then that's what set that will, will Morgan on the path of being a YMCA physical director and, uh, led him to eventually five years later, invent volleyball. He didn't invent volleyball. He invented Mintonette. Yeah. Yeah. He, he didn't know what to call it at the time, but, uh, yeah, he threw together a game. And if you, yeah, if you want to hear more, it, yeah. Uh, there's a lot more to it, but <laughs> it's cool. They hit each other so hard that they both invented non-contact sports. Exactly. <laughs> they said enough of this. <laughs> so, what would volleyball be like with five fouls? That's one of yeah. my questions I always want to wonder about. <laughs> well, cool, Cody. Thanks for joining us, and John. And uh, I guess 
when can we expect the next Kessel Kessel tournament? Is the dinosaur happening? Oh yeah, the, the extra dino. What get, are we up to? Do you get extra points? Do you start off with the, a bonus? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. We, we get a fourteen zero lead in a game to fifteen by being me being my age. I'm up for it now. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, you got to play Billy and his dad. You know, Billy grew up playing volleyball with his dad as his partner. So maybe we'll get a Allen Allen Kessel Kessel yeah. duel off. We had a, a lot so. longer uh, post game talks than you guys did. <laughs> well, we'll have your dad listen to the podcast first and then yeah, we'll set up yeah. the game yeah that's pretty cool billy i didn't know that and that that's uh that shows why you're on the fib tour and doing so well and fighting for that olympic slot you know it's partly your dad's fault and certainly the <laughs> fault of all those old guys that you played against that would beat you with their wisdom but also teach you their wisdom for sure well, thanks, guys. It was fun. Yeah, thanks so much.